0: Good morning, church. Good morning. I'm going to deviate from the lesson that I had planned because something came up that reminded me of a lesson we had several years back, and I realized this would be a good time to look at that topic again. Incidentally, it gives us an entry point into what I am going to speak on the next time I'm up here. I was reading 1 John and came across this portion and it started me thinking. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2 at verse 18. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. And we're going to read for a couple of minutes here. I'll be reading from the New King James. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming... Even now many antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. This point in John's letter has caused difficulty for many religious people in the world, and they become confused about John's meaning. What I want to look at today is what John calls the Antichrist or Antichrists. We might want to note that John is the only writer of the New Testament who uses the term Antichrist, and he uses it five times. lot of reasons there is confusion about the subject of the Antichrist is because people refuse to use the best commentary on the Bible there is, and that is the Bible itself. I'm sure if people would let the Bible speak for itself, they would have no trouble understanding John's meaning of the term Antichrist. Let's look at the text again a bit more carefully. First of all, Who is John writing to? John starts this section of his letter with one of his favorite phrases. He says, little children, or some translations use dear children. He uses the term children many times in his three letters in Scripture. And in 1 John, he uses the term little children nine times. John is writing this letter to Christians of that time, as a loving father would write to his children. John is warning Christians, his little children. He is warning them about a problem that is very real even in our day. 1 John 2, verse 18, little children. It is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know it is the last hour. Note that John uses the term antichrist twice, singular and plural. He uses the term again in verse 22, where he says, Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. He uses it again in 1 John chapter 4 at verse 2 where he says, by this time you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. John uses the term Antichrist in 2 John, Verse 7, where he says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. We're living in a society where many people believe the term Antichrist is used to refer to an individual. In other words, they believe the Antichrist, singular will appear in the end times. Some believe that an actual person will arise out of the religious political arena and lead many people astray just before Christ comes again. This view is held by premillennialists and many amillennialists. To understand what John means, let's ask ourselves some questions. Who are the Antichrist and how do we guard against them? So how do you spot the spirit of the Antichrist? Unlike popular belief, the answer is not a mystery. It is quite simple. And it is simply because John tells us the answer. He says in verse 19 of 1 John chapter 2, They went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. You see, in John's day, and not sometime in the future, but in John's day, the Antichrists, not the Antichrist, but many Antichrists, were individuals who had at some time associated themselves with the apostles and Christians. But then these people had left. They had gone out on their own and were no longer in fellowship with the apostles. That's why John says they went out from us and they didn't really belong to us because if they did, they would not have gone. From this verse, it is plain that the Antichrists were Christians who had defected from the truth and their departure indicates their hostility to the truth. In other words, these people were Christians, they had faith, and then at some point they lost their faith. Why? I suspect that many did so because they did not respect apostolic teaching. John tells us that in 1 John chapter 4 at verse 3. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the Spirit of truth, and the spirit of error. If you want to relate that to today, you easily can because many antichrists behave the same way. Many people start out acting like they respect apostolic authority and seek to be Christians, but eventually their true nature comes out and they do not want to be with those who respect apostolic authority. For example, how many people do you know who do not have the Bible as their sole authority for their beliefs? Many religious groups do not even read the Bible. Many religious groups hold to the teachings of men, and men have the final say in what they believe, not the Bible. Some say the Bible was back then, we don't need it anymore, What they are doing is refusing to accept apostles' doctrine. What did Jesus say about accepting their teaching? He said in John 13 and 20, Most assuredly I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Those who reject the apostles reject Christ himself and, in effect, have the spirit of the Antichrist. John tells another characteristic of Antichrist at verse 22, who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. In John's day, some people denied that Jesus was the Christ. There was a big problem with Gnosticism in that day. A Gnostic is a person who says, a divine God couldn't possibly have come in the flesh because the flesh is corrupt. People in John's day and even today allege that Jesus and Christ are two different persons. They believe that Christ merely appeared to have flesh, but in reality did not. Others believe that Christ descended upon Jesus at his baptism and departed at the time of his suffering. It is that denial that Jesus Christ came in the flesh that John identifies as the spirit of the Antichrist. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 3, it says, Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Another way to spot the spirit of the Antichrist is that they deny the Father and the Son. Again, 1 John chapter 2, we'll start in the middle of verse 22, He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. You see, by denying that Jesus is the Christ, they were denying the Son. You recall in John's Gospel, remember John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we all should remember this. In the beginning was the Word, And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then down at verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, because of their denial, they are refusing to believe that Jesus came from the Father. By denying the Son, they are also denying the Father. Again, it comes back to John chapter 13, verse 20, and I paraphrase this one. I tell you the truth. Whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. If you want to spot the spirit of the Antichrist today, it's really quite simple. Anyone who denies that Jesus was the Messiah... Anyone who denies the nature of Jesus, that he was fully God and fully man. Anyone who denies apostolic authority, that is, the Bible and its teachings, about the nature of Jesus Christ. These have the spirit of the Antichrist. Well, Based upon the evidence that I've shown you so far, is the Antichrist a character soon to be revealed on the stage of world events? Let's look at some of the views of dispensationalists, which is currently the most popular form of premillennialism. They have much to say about the Antichrist. They would have us believe that the Antichrist is a man, now living, who will soon rise to a position of a worldwide dictator. In his book, novel by the way, Fiction, But in his book, The Late Great Planet Earth, Hal Lindsey declares that the Antichrist will come to power just before the return of Christ, which he asserts will occur during this generation. Folks, this view finds absolutely no relevance in the Bible, no support at all. The term Antichristos is found five times in four New Testament passages, all of which are found in John's epistles, which we've already looked at. It is significant to me that though Lindsay devotes a whole chapter to the Antichrist, he never once alludes to these verses. Why? Well, I think the reason is obvious. The biblical information on this topic is not in harmony with his fanciful writing. Over the years, countless people and groups have attempted to identify the Antichrist. Go home. If you have the internet and a computer, simply type in the word Antichrist in your search engine. I got over 3 million hits in a Google search. (laughs) You will be immersed in suggestions such as, oh, the Emperor Nero, Adolf Hitler, Saddam Hussein, and the Pope. These are but a few candidates that are put forth. In most cases, the Antichrist is supposed to be connected with the end of the world, the number 666, and various other, quote, signs of the times, unquote. I keep going over this because we need to be aware of the view that these people are coming from. We need to be aware, point out the Antichrist spirit, and teach others to recognize it. John wrote in First John 2 and 18, and I paraphrase, little children, this is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. He says in verse 22, who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. John specifically tells us that many Antichrists had already come into the world. If John's readers were looking for a single, solitary figure distinguished as the sole Antichrist, John took that notion away by saying to them many Antichrists had come. If John was talking about a mysterious Antichrist who had some sinister purpose that would appear in the late 21st century Why would he say this? Why would he say in 1 John 4 and 3, and again I paraphrase, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is from God, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. John says the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. It was in John's day. Any good bu- biblical scholar will see quite clearly that when John makes reference to Antichrist, he is using the term to suggest a spirit of unbelief that can be manifested in various ways, both past and present. In verse 18 of 1 John chapter 2, I would suggest that you underline the term Antichrist and then in your margin write the following, a general disposition of unbelief, not a specific person. John defined an Antichrist as any person or group who denies the Father and the Son. We have seen quite clearly that any person or group which does not recognize that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come in the flesh is a person or a group that has been seized by the spirit of the Antichrist. When you think about the religious world around us today, I'm afraid you're going to find that many will fall into that category, the category of possessing the spirit of Antichrist. Well, how do we as Christians guard against the spirit of Antichrist? The way we guard ourselves against the spirit is by going to the people who have already experienced it. We guard ourselves in the same way that John told his readers to guard themselves. And the way John tells them is by reminding them of their anointing. He says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. He's not talking to people who do not know the truth, but those who do. He also tells them in 1 John 2, verse 27, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. John says that this anointing is from the Holy One in verse 20. It was this anointing that enabled them to know all things. It also enabled them so that they could be knowing of these things without anyone teaching them, according to verse 27. Now, it could be that John is thinking about the gifts of the Spirit, which in the New Testament serve to provide both revelation and confirmation of the truth for the early church. These gifts of the Spirit were given by the laying on of the apostles' hands. The early church, in this case, could identify Antichrist without any help. Despite having this anointing, though, you will note they still needed to be encouraged to continue in what they had learned. Today, the earnest of the Holy Spirit is given to all believers in Christ following their repentance and baptism into Christ. It is clear from the last cause where the neuter pronoun and past tense are used that John is referring to the written records of the gospel. It was that which they had been taught. It was that which was abiding in them. There being no difference whatsoever in the word of God dwelling in Christians and the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. In First John chapter 2, verse 24, it says, Therefore let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. Just because they had the gifts of the Spirit, this did not keep them from sinning or being misled. Think of Simon the sorcerer. The same applies to Christians today. John reminds them of that fact in verse 26, and I'm paraphrasing. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. It was only by paying attention to that which they had heard from the beginning that they would be able to abide in the Son and in the Father and receive the promise of eternal life. We as Christians today do not have the anointing like John's readers did, although some religious groups do claim this, If that were the case, though, we wouldn't need the scriptures. And according to what we have read in John chapter 2, verses 22-27, only a self-deceiver would believe that. Folks, we have something just as good. We have the word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. Remember Ephesians 6.17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. In Jude 3, we read, Beloved, While I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. That's what we have, folks. We have the faith once delivered to the saints. In other words, we have something which we can use as the standard by which we can know the truth it is because of that truth that we find in the bible we can avoid being misled by subjective feelings that can be mistaken for some sort of prompting of the spirit within the scriptures we have all that we need to enable us to know god's will second timothy chapter 3 verse 16 All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. But, just like John's readers, we need to be encouraged to continue in what we have learned from the Spirit-given Word. Just because we have the word of God does not ensure that we will not be misled. That's why unless we study and apply the word, we are open to deceptions from modern-day antichrists. As John urged his readers almost 2,000 years ago, so must we today take the same advice in 1 John 4 and 1. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Let me finish by saying this. Antichrists are a very real problem with us today. While there may not be very many professing Christians who deny that Jesus is the Christ or that he came in the flesh, there are many who reject the authority of the apostles by how they disregard the scriptures. It's hard in our time and culture to realize how pervasive the spirit of the Antichrist is and even harder to vocalize even to ourselves where we see it. Tolerance is not always a virtue, and tolerance not guided by God's word is an enemy. It can help bind us, and the spirit of the Antichrist is not always easy to see we are reminded of that in 2 corinthians chapter 11 at verse 13 with these words for such are false apostles deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of christ and no marvel for satan himself is transformed into an angel of light therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. The solution then remains the same for us, First John 2 and 24. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will remain in the Son and the Father. No matter how wonderful the work done by a person or a group, how much seeming good and kindness. If they exhibit, what John warns us about, then they have the spirit of the Antichrist. In this spirit, Christians have no part or fellowship. People who make all sorts of claims and theories about the Antichrist are missing the point of John's words. We need to remember that what John said here was significant about these Antichrists. It is by them that we will know it is the last hour. John knew that in God's purpose, Jesus could return at any time. The fact that it has been 2,000 years since John penned these words does not detract from their truthfulness. Loved ones were living in that last hour, and Christ may come in judgment at any time. John's point was not only to be aware of the spirit of the Antichrist, but to be ready for Christ's return. Are you ready for his coming? Let me leave you with Peter's words in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8, which says, But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you are not a Christian this morning, then let me encourage you to talk to someone about what it means to be ready for Christ's return. We know from the scripture that we must hear the word, believe in Christ, confess our faith in Jesus, repent of our sins, and then be baptized. For those of the household of faith, if you have gone astray, I would encourage you to repent of your sins and pray for forgiveness. The grace of God has brought salvation. The question is, where are you relative to that salvation? Whatever your needs are, we will do what we can to assist you, and we encourage you to come while we stand and sing.